0: good morning church. Um, Again, my name is Tim. I'm a member and a pastor here at Cornerstone. We're going to go ahead and get into our time in the word. We'll be in James chapter 1 verses uh, 2 through 4. You can remain standing if you're able. Always a privilege to preach God's word and I'm praying that it'll be a time of encouragement for all of us um, in whatever seasons of life we may find ourselves in. I'll go ahead and read it, reading out of the uh, Christian uh, Standard Bible, James 1 verses 2, chapter 2, I mean chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 and it says this, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various Trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that your word as it goes forth it does not come back void, but it will produce the fruit that you desire for it too. I pray that you would be glorified in this moment. Whatever struggles, whatever trials, whatever joys, whatever sorrows we bring into this room today, God, would you meet us where we are? Would you remind us that you are a present help in the time of trouble, and in your presence is the fullness of joy. Lord, would we find courage, will we find endurance, will we find encouragement through the scriptures this morning? Would you help us to be hearers and doers of your word, Lord? Would you make my ambition in this moment to please you and only you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You all can be seated. In moments Of uncertainty we must learn to be decisive in our faith one of my best friends recently he's learning about this in his experience around his work as he's preparing to be a firefighter on the phone the other day he told me a story of how him and other recruits go through burn house training In these training fire departments, they burn structures in order to provide training experience for those who are preparing to be firemen. This allows these recruits to gain practical experience as they develop skills they need in the presence of a fire. By training in these environments, they learn fire behavior, how it spreads, the dangers that it presents. They develop critical thinking skills, breathing techniques as they're exposed to the heat and the smoke. He told me that many times firemen, they don't know what to expect when they get to a fire, but they must be physically and emotionally and mentally prepared for what they may face. His Story reminded me that oftentimes the greatest lessons in life are learned in the worst conditions. Hard hardship reveals something in us, our tendencies, our patterns of behavior, how we respond under pressure. It teaches us something about ourselves that leads to our development. But also our Greatest lessons, they can be learned in the worst conditions, but also our greatest struggles are revealed as well. In the fire, temptations arise. Impurities in our faith come to the surface and a wrestle for control influences how we respond and how we relate to others. In the fire, we look for ways to cope with our experiences that may Be harmful to us in the long run in the fire sometimes it's even hard to believe that the God who says that he will never leave us nor forsake us is not actively working against us in the fire the choices we make in the fire come down to a battle of interpretation is there good in this is God working through this How are we to understand God's will, and how are we to respond in faith and experience the abundant life that God has promised us when we experience trials that seem to contradict God's goodness? And here in James, he has a word for us to encourage us, and here's our reflection in this time together. Experiencing true joy requires the acceptance of difficulty as a means of development. James, the brother of our Lord and Savior, he's leading this Christian community in the first century. He's shepherding this community through swift transition and social disruption. This Christian community has been exalted by God in their salvation, but they're still experiencing oppression in their society. They are facing Economic exploitation, if you read chapter 1, 2, and chapter 5 in James, you'll see that. Religious persecution, James 2 and 7. And these trials come with temptations that lead them to respond with verbal or physical violence. Here we find James exhorting and challenging the church to practice a godly discernment in responding to the trials they're facing. He carefully teaches God's people that genuine Christian faith must be evident in works. He calls the people of God to a life that is marked by integrity, where their confession of faith matches their commitment to faith. And here we find his counsel on how do Christians... How do followers of Jesus, how do we deal with the fire? How do we deal with the unexpected, those strange, surprising trials in our lives? Those things that happen to us that turn our lives upside down. Today, James, he helps us this morning. And first, we'll see this in the passage that enduring Trial leads to joy. He says in verse 2 and 3, he says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and my sisters. Whenever you experience various trials, because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance. James says, Consider it a great joy. King James Version would say, Count it all joy when you fall into Diverse temptations. He's calling us this morning to evaluate our trials differently. To have a different interpretation of what we go through. Scott McKnight, in his commentary on the book of James, he says this is what a trial is. It is an encounter with something that puts a person to the test by taking one to the end of or beyond one's means. James exhorts us to consider trials as an opportunity, as a gift that leads us to joy. This joy is connected to a person's understanding of what God is doing through the trial. The text says that you can only experience a sense of joy in unexpected Situations when you know the divine intent within the situation. How can we experience deep joy in the worst experiences? I'm going to be honest with you this morning on a surface level reading of this text. It seems like James is dismissive or insensitive to the human experience. How are you going to tell me that I'm required to be joyful? when life is painful. I had to reflect on this several years ago when my uncle, who was like a grandfather to me, he helped raise us. My grandmama's house was his house because he brought my mama and her five siblings into his home when they didn't have anywhere to go and he provided for them and he protected them, he raised them, he was like a grandfather to me. A few years ago, he was diagnosed with dementia. And anybody knows, anybody who's had that wrestle and struggle in your family, you know how cruel that disease is. You know how ugly it is where someone is physically present with you but mentally absent. Late one night, several years ago, he left home. And we never saw him again few years later, four or five years passed and they found his remains in a lake several miles from home. One night he drowned and we never saw him again and we never got any type of resolve or any type of resolution for what actually happened. James says, count it all joy. When you face various trials I want to there might be a heavier situation but what trials in your life is God calling you to find joy through even when life is painful it might be that manager at your job that gets on your nerves and you're tired of going and God is saying count it all joy It may be where you're living out your Christian life among your friends and they are constantly being hostile towards you because they don't don't share the same faith that you do. And James is calling us to count it all joy. It may be some sickness in your body, some type of affliction that you've been dealing with for several years. And James is saying count it all joy. I want to encourage us and help us see what James is actually calling us to in this text. James' instruction is not for us to derive some type of pleasure or satisfaction in trial. He's not calling us to romanticize our experiences as if enduring and embracing trial is a means of godliness. No, what James is saying is that joy is not found in the trial. The joy is found in what the trial is producing in you as God works in you for his glory. Knowing the purpose of the trial helps you process what you're going through with God. And it gives you the perseverance you need by God's grace to keep trusting him. How do I know this? Because Jesus, knowing the purpose for which he was sent, not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, was able to process the test of faithfulness that he went through in the garden saying, Father, if possible, take this cup from me. He knows the purpose and he processes with the Father and through that he perseveres in faithfulness saying, but not my will, but your will be done. When we know the purpose, watch this, James says that, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When you know the purpose of it and you process it with the Lord, he gives you the ability to persevere in faithfulness in whatever you're going through. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3, it says it like this. Watch the text. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with what? Endurance. Endurance. The race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith for the what? The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to encourage you, church, this morning that being a disciple of Jesus is the only way that we can be honest about the trial while not being consumed by it. The cross teaches us that we must face the reality. We must face what's happening to us. We must accept reality for what it is, the trouble that comes our way, the unexpected trials, the surprising trials, the overwhelming trouble. Even on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why must this happen like this? Why must life be this hard? Why must I face this trial? Why hasn't this trial gone away and we must sit with the pain and the frustration and the confusion and the anger that comes with trials but we must be reminded that Jesus said in his word that yes you will have much trouble you will have trial being a christian does not exempt you from trial you will have much trouble but he says that take heart be of good courage because i have overcome the world Our joy is not found in what is happening to us, but what God is producing in us as we go through. God is producing something beautiful in us. Trial is not meant to draw us away from the presence and the grace of God. We count it all joy because trial is meant to drive us into a deeper dependency on the Lord for his strength. One example of this is in my freshman year of high school, we had weight training. I was probably the same size then as I am now. I hated lifting weights. Every Thursday, we would have max day, where we would lift weights relative to our uh, maximum ability. And that day, we did bench press. And so it was me and a partner. His name was uh, Alton. and I'm doing well that day. I'm maxing out co- consistently, and I'm feeling a, a rhythm and I'm getting a little cocky I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about myself. And at the very end of our weight training session, I had one more rep. And I told Ash, and I was like, "Listen man, like you don't even need to help me on this one. I feel like I got it." And he walked off and he went to talk to some friends, and I got under the weight. I sat on the bench. And I lifted it off of the stand. And I saw that weight slowly coming down on my chest. And it didn't move. And those next four to five seconds felt like four or five hours. Because the weight pressed on my chest, I could not lift on my own. And I could not call out for help because my breath was gone because of the pressure on my chest. And luckily, somebody cried out, and they said, hey, let's go. Tim is about to die in the weight room. Let's go (laughs) help him. Alton, he was around 6'2", about 2.30, quickly got behind me. He lifted the weight off of my chest, and I was able to breathe. There was a relief in that moment in knowing that I had somebody stronger than me to lift the weight for me. I want to tell you this morning, church, your trials are not a way of God testing your strength, but an opportunity for you to experience God's strength in you. If he is strong enough to save you, he's strong enough to help you endure. If he's strong enough to save you, he's strong enough to keep you in the valley. If he's strong enough to save you, he can keep you in your right mind as you go through things that confuse you. If he's strong enough to save you, he's able to protect you from the temptation that comes when you're facing trial. The Bible says that even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, somebody help me in this church, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God works. God works through the trial, not to draw us away from him, but to draw us into his presence because he knows that in his presence is the fullness of joy. We consider it a great joy when we experience various trials because the testing of our faith produces endurance. We have to pause here for a point just to clarify what James is saying and what he's not saying. God tests our faith. One might think that God is unjust or malicious in some way by testing our faith. And we have to be careful not to assume that God uses trial in our lives to hurt us or to expose us in a harmful way. When it comes to this text, our interpretation of God's work through trial must be rooted in our understanding of God being a father to us. Later in James, James knows this and he reminds them that every good and perfect gift comes from God, the father of all lights, who does not cast a shifting shadow, a God that does not change. God's goal for us is to be conformed to the image of Christ and he uses trial to deepen our dependence on him so that we can grow in our experience of him being a father to us. God does not tempt us through testing. God does not test us to prove our strength to him. God tests us to demonstrate his power and provision in us. This is what testing is. Testing is the ordering of circumstances by God to reveal his people's supreme love for him, to fortify them against sin and to do them good. Here's the distinction for, between testing and temptation. T- temptation is an enticement to worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Testing drives us to God's grace. Temptation drives us away from God's goodness. James, he knows that this might be an objection that this community is facing. And in James 1:13 and 14, he says that no one undergoing a trial should say, I am tempted by God. Since God is not tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own desire. This is a helpful and important distinction because some of us are going through trials that God did not ordain and testing that God did not design. How are we to understand, how are we able to discern God's testing between between or differently from the temptations we face. Here's a helpful question as we think through this passage. Am I going through a trial because I am committed to my faith or because I've compromised my faith? Am I experiencing trial because I'm surrendered to the Lord or in some way have I opened myself up to the enemy's attacks in my life? God tests us to prove and deepen our dependence on him. We can and will endure when we have the assurance of God's intentions. We know that the testing of our faith produces endurance. We will endure when we know that God is strengthening us and we have the assurance that he is faithful to keep us even as we go through trial. There is a joy available to us even in the worst situations because trial is producing dependence. And dependency is maturity. He's offering us a joy in him through experiencing his strength in what we go through. James moves us forward and he reminds us that this text teaches us that yes, trial is guaranteed. Trial is an expectation. Trial is guaranteed for the Christian, but maturity is not. My beautiful wife said that. Shout out to Amber. She said that a few years ago, and that messed with me, so I had to add it to to the sermon. First, we see a enduring trial leads to joy, and also a enduring faith must lead to growth. Verse 4, he says, let endurance have its full effect so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. He says, let endurance or a perseverance or a steadfastness or this patience lead us to wholeness. This patience under pressure produces something in you that develops your faith. James teaches us this morning that a God-designed trial that is not endured is a missed opportunity to develop your faith. Let patience, let perseverance have its full effect. Let it have a thorough, perfect, complete work. Let it do a thorough work so that your faith will be thorough and whole. James reminds us He reminds us this morning, church, that we can stunt our growth if we lack the patience to wait on God to process us as he works in us. Warren Wiersbe says it like this, that God cannot work in us without our consent. There must be a surrendered will. And that's the crazy thing about maturity. As people, we physically grow and mature. We develop. We develop muscle and we grow in stature over time, but as a Christian, maturity does not happen by chance. It happens by choice. An awareness of God's sovereignty in a trial does not exempt us from the responsibility to endure the trial in faith. James says, let patience, let endurance have its perfect work. Here, when he talks about maturity, it's a word that can also be translated as perfection, but he's not talking about perfection as the absence of freedom of sin. He's speaking of an undivided wholeness of heart before God. Let endurance produce and develop us into believers who have a pure faith that is committed to God in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Some of us read that word endurance as a command just to suck it up. That we're going through hard things and God is just calling us to keep going, that we must suppress what we're going through in order to find ourselves faithful and obedient to God. But no, James is not calling us to an endurance that looks like resignation. Resignation is accepting something unpleasant that you cannot do anything about. It is to give yourself over to the situation without any type of resistance. Well, no, he's not calling us to this type of perseverance or this type of steadfastness. No, endurance is not the passive acceptance of circumstances. It is the courageous perseverance to face difficulty. It is the ability to remain faithful to God even when it's hard. It is the ability to obey God when things are not going your way, even When you're confused about what God is doing, you still do what God has called you to do. Endurance is the discipline of being able to say, just like Job, though he slay me, yet I will still trust him. Though I'm enduring the hardship that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. It's living with the conviction that God has been good to me better to me than I've been to myself and I must persevere in faith because God has not changed. God has been faithful to me and that calls me, that empowers me to be faithful to him even when life don't make sense. James exhorts us as a church. He encourages us. He challenges us not to waste the hard things because the hard things support our development. We accept difficulty as a means of development because God is working. I want to encourage those who are struggling this morning and you may have settled into a Christian life that's not marked by joy or faith but resentment, disappointment. And it's not because God has not been good. It's not because God has not been faithful, but God just has not done what you want or thought that he would do for you. Some of us have interpreted trial not as a means of development for our joy and for our faith, but a sign of God's absence, a sign of his displeasure towards us, that he's not moving at our timetable. He's not on the same agenda as we are, and we're waiting on God to change the situation, and our faithfulness is dependent on him changing situations for us. But what James does to encourage and convict us this morning is to remind us that even as we're waiting on God to change situations, God's love for us, his grace towards us, reminds us that while we wait on him to change situations, he's committed to changing you in the situation. Don't waste the hard things, God Loves us too much to leave us where we are. He loves us too much to not purify and sanctify us and conform us to his image. And he uses trial. He uses struggle to produce beauty in our lives. Let endurance have its full effect. Let it have its perfect work so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Letting endurance have its full effect requires us to do something we hate to do. Wait on the Lord. 2019, Kevin Durant, he he suffered a calf strain injury during the NBA playoffs. And with his team down 3-1 in the finals, Durant had a decision to make. Do I allow myself to heal from this calf strain or do I take the risk of further injury in order to help my team win in the moment? Do I put my future on the line for this present moment? KD came, ended up coming back, and he played great in the first quarter in game five of the finals, and he looked like he was ready to go and prepared to play, but in the second quarter, he tore his Achilles tendon. And during game five of the finals, he compounded the injury that he already had. Some speculated that that calf strain put more stress on the Achilles, which could have led to the rupture. They end up losing that series, and he also lost the next season of his career because he came back too early. He didn't wait. He missed the 2020 season because he and even the organization probably, probably, they made a premature, risky decision that impacted his long-term health. And that preaches to us this morning because sometimes the pressures of life, the temptations to control and manipulate situations, to skip steps in our sanctification, to avoid the process of development can lead to long-term damage to our faith. We can make premature decisions in trial that can alter what God wants to do in us in the long term. But God reminds us in this text that God is more concerned around the development in your faith than he is to getting you to a destination that you want. This is what God does in us and this is a part of our sanctification. It's a part of us changing and being pruned and growing into the image of Christ. Waiting on God reveals what we really want from God. Do you want God's blessing or do you want his will? Do you want his promises more than you want his presence? The Bible backs me up on this. We see in Abraham's life, he received the promise, the promised seed and the land, and God made him wait. But when he waited, it revealed what he wanted. And his desires were revealed because he sexually assaulted his wife's slave in order to have a child that God had already promised him. The Israelites received the promise of the promised land. He delivered them out of 400 years of slavery and he drew them into the wilderness to test them. Not to tempt them, he called them to be tested because he wanted to teach them that man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But he made them wait so that, they, so that he could develop their faith. But a trip that was only 11 days led to 40 years because they rebelled against God. They wanted to skip steps in their sanctification. And sometimes as we even think about our culture now, we talk a lot about being ambitious. Working hard, striving for what we want. But when it comes to our faith, sometimes our ambitions are really a cover-up for our impatience. God is taking too long to give us what he promised us. And we impose our will on the development process. We try to manipulate things and situations to get to desired outcomes. We use people to get what we want and we lash out when they get in the way of our desires. But the Bible says, let endurance have its perfect work. Let it have its full effect. Even when we try to skip steps in our sanctification, God is too committed to our sanctification to let us out. God in his power and in his grace, grace is never in a rush. He is committed to changing us and making us whole and complete, even when we fight against him. And watch this, this is helpful for all of us to be reminded of, God is so kind to us that even if we try to skip seasons of testing, even if we try to wiggle our way out of situations that we know God is calling us to to prune us, he may allow us to go into different seasons of life, but that does not mean we're exempt from the same trial we faced in the last. Many of us thought that when we were married that we would not have to deal with lust anymore, and then you got married. And the trial is still there. Many of us have anger problems, and we felt like if we just cut those people off, that those anger issues would just go away. But now, the trial is still there. Some of us left churches because we felt like the people were not loving and they did not treat us in a particular way and we felt like going to another church would help us but then we go to the next church and the trial is still there. We've changed jobs because we felt like the environment was toxic and we didn't have anything to do with that but when we go to that next job and the trial is still there. Sometimes It is not the situation that needs to be changed. It's us. Sometimes God has to remind us that his goal for us is sanctification. And he allows God-ordained trials to happen to produce an endurance that helps us persevere as we experience his grace to help us. This Passages full of wisdom and truth, as we go through trials, we must endure in order for us to experience true joy. We must have an enduring faith that leads to growth. But this is a hard passage for us to embrace and obey. What resources do we have? What graces do we have to endure trial? so that God can develop us in our faith. How do we move towards a interpretation that will make God the enemy in our trial to an interpretation that will show that God's goodness is seen even in the midst of hardship. And here's where we find that truth is this. Our faith endures when we keep our eyes on Jesus. Our faithfulness to God in the midst of trial must be grounded in us knowing and seeing the joyful obedience of Christ. We look at the life of Christ. We see him tempted by Satan. And yet, even in that temptation, even in that trial, he quotes the scripture and he endures trial. If we look up the trial Of the cross, Jesus endures suffering and shame, and they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet, and they pierce his side. The Bible says that even for the Lord it pleased the Lord to crush him, and he took up this trial of the cross, and by God's grace, he tasted death for all who would believe. How does? He take up this cross. How does he endure this trial? And here's the truth that we can celebrate and praise God for. Jesus knew that if the father gave him a cross, that meant that a crown was on the way. He knew that if he endured the trial, that victory was on the way. And he got up that Sunday morning with all power in his hands and he ascended to the Father. And he sits at the right hand of the Father with all authority and power in heaven and on earth because he knew that a crown was on the way. The songwriter would say it like this, must Jesus bear, somebody here helping me, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free. But there's a cross for everyone and I know there's a cross for me. We bear our cross daily. We bear and endure the trial when we know that there's a crown on the way. When there's confusion about what you're going through, be reminded this morning there's a crown on the way. When you are enduring heartache and pain over a course or a season of life, be reminded that as you endure that cross, there is a crown on the way. When it is overwhelming and you can't sleep at night and you don't know when and why God is doing what he's doing, you must be reminded that if you endure the cross, if you bear that cross, there's a crown on the way. That cross for for Jesus was not the end of his life. That was only an entry point into his resurrection. You need to be reminded that the cross that you bear is not the end of your life. It's not the end of your faith. It's actually an entry point into experiencing the power of God. Church, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the labor for the Lord is never in vain. There's a cross we must bear, but there's a crown on the way. There's a cross we must endure. There are trials that we must go through, but there's a crown on the way. James, he also reminds us of this in the, in the first chapter. He says, blessed is the one who endures the trial. Because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God promised to those who love him. We will experience joy when we understand that difficulty is a means of development. And the cross we bear always comes with a crown because Jesus has endured the cross for us to declare us right with God and he's defeated sin, death, and the devil. And because he has all authority and power in heaven and on earth, that also means that he has authority over whatever we go through. And in light of that, that gives us the awareness, the ability, the grace by his spirit to help us persevere Even in the midst of trial, considering it a great joy when we experience various trials because the testing of our faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect work so you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Here's the application for our time this morning. It is this. Ask for wisdom. The next verse, chapter, uh, verse 5 In chapter 1 of James it says this, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. James recognizes that even for the mature and complete Christian, there will be confusion that comes about in life experiences that seem to contradict the life God wants for us. Wisdom is not only God telling us what we should do in trial, it's also helping us think through how we should respond based on the trials we face. This is an opportunity for us, church, to allow the Holy Spirit to move us from the question, God, why is this happening to me? to Father, what are you teaching me through this? What am I to learn? What area are you seeking? to grow me in? What or who do I know in a similar situation or who has been in a similar situation in their faith, in their work, in their family? And what can they help me with? What wisdom can they apply to my life to help me endure? We can experience abundant joy in trials when we recognize that difficulty develops our faith and conforms us to the image of Jesus. God designed some trials Not to drive us away, not to test our strength, but to draw us into a deeper dependency on his grace and a deeper experience of his power so that our joy will be full, deep, and satisfying. Church, let us count it all joy as we experience various trials because we know that God is doing a work in us that will be useful as we continue to serve him the ways he's called us to. Let's pray. Lord, I I recognize and know that this is a, a heavy, weighty passage when we think about the weights that we carry every single day. Whether it may be in our faith, hostility that we may see or feel because we're Christians, the struggles we may have within our homes, the tensions we feel at work. Lord Jesus, would you give us the grace to interpret everything through your love that a perfect love casts out fear. Lord, as we experience the pressures of life, would you allow wisdom to develop would you soften our will so that we would be open to experience the change that you are producing in our lives, Father? Would trial drive us into your grace? Would trial drive us into community? Would it drive us into prayer? Would it drive us into a healthy intake of your words so that we may be equipped, we may be mature? You say in your word that all Scriptures God breathed, and it is useful to teach and rebuke and correct and train up in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Lord, remind us and teach us that you're using trials to help us become more useful and effective in the callings and the purposes you called us to, so that we will be able to serve from a place of gladness and not a place of frustration. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we may be able to serve you and walk in obedience even when things do not make sense? We ask for your grace. We ask for your blessing. We ask for your Holy Spirit in this moment to help us. Lord, we believe, but help us in our unbelief where we believe that trials are a sign of your absence, a sign of your displeasure. Would you grant us the ability to see you, Lord. Would you help us not to conform to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Would you please grant us your grace and your strength in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.